Yeah, and coming to continue uh, the Jesus That You Need to Know series. Uh, so I'll pray for you and then I'll hand over to you. Lord, we thank you for Tim. Thank you for the way that you've been at work in his life and the way that he knows you. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning through him. Lord, will you give us um, soft hearts to receive your truth this morning? In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lovely. Thanks so much, Tom. Uh, it's great to be here with you. And um, we, we're going to carry on our series that is uh, looking at uh, um, the Jesus you need to know. Um, now, I don't know if you know that you need to know Jesus, but uh, this is the Jesus you need to know. Um, uh, and if you've been along to any of the services uh, since, since Christmas time, uh, we've been going through, uh, going through John's Gospel. Um, uh, and we're going to look uh, this morning at chapter 8. So we're up to chapter 8. And chapter 8 has this little c- uh, claim by Jesus, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So that's what we're going to unpack and we're going to think about uh, this morning. Now, I'm not sure what you think about light. Um, uh, I've been working for church, uh, for our church here, the Wooden Church family, for about 34 years now. And um, before that, I used to be a physics teacher. And, and I used to love teaching about light. Now, I'm not sure if you can remember any of the, any of the uh, lessons you did at, at school. Um, but in teaching secondary school physics, we would do things like kind of uh, shine uh, lights through water um, and think, oh, we could, maybe we could make lenses that focus light. Or refraction. Remember that? Put, putting a pencil in some water. Oh, the pencil looks so it's broken. It's not broken. Ah, what is that water doing to light? Um, whether there was things like kind of um, doing measurements and uh, t- I don't remember total internal refraction. Ah, some of you, I know some of you tried to blank that. It's one of those kind of things as a child. Those physics lessons kind of somehow you've kind of it's traumatic and you've blanked them. Um, I, I think there's there's things about light. Um, whether kind of those experiments of how do you mix light or how do you separate light. Um, I just used to love it. Um, I I used to love those experiments of of shadows and rainbows and and kind of lenses, the convex, concave, and and, ah, light. Um, But you might not be someone here who really enjoyed uh, science lessons. So when we're talking about light, maybe you're not thinking about those kind of things and I don't know, is it a particle, is it a wave? When we, got, when we got to A-level, kind of, there's even more to think about light. Kind of, um, but maybe you just, I mean, maybe like those first people who follow Jesus. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I'm not sure if they were thinking about wave-particle duality. <laughs> Is he human? Is he God? Jesus, the light of the world. Uh, I, I think they were probably thinking a bit more like us. That actually, light is essential for life. That's true, isn't it? If we didn't have the sun uh, in, in our kind of, where it is, kind of, actually there wouldn't be life. Actually, light is essential for life itself. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's essential for life itself. Um, light is essential for, for, for growth. Actually, things that grow. You know, I don't know if any of you are gardeners, but actually you don't plant flowers it kind of where there's no sunshine. Kind of, actually, you need, you need uh, light to grow, photosynthesis, all those kind of amazing things that happen inside, um, inside plants. So uh, light is essential for, for growth. And in some ways, that's maybe why even kind of some of those primitive religions would worship the sun god, because actually light was essential for, for life. Light was essential for, for growth, for harvest. Um, 
I'm sure for some of you, kind of even in the winter months, you're just waiting for oh, when the sun shines and somehow just experiencing the warmth of the light. Uh, the sense of, of, um, of well-being. I've got a friend and, who's got kind of seasonal disorder deficit and, and because there's not so much sunshine in our winter, actually their, their mood uh, slips. But somehow when the sun comes out, when there's light, actually it, it does us, I don't know about you, it does us good. There's something about light and sunshine, not too much, but kind of keep your skin safe. Uh, but uh, there's something about light that is really helpful. When Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and she's come for our sense of well-being. Um, uh, there's something about light that, that, that when we are in darkness, when kind of actually light is really important, so we're not tripping over things, we're not banging into things, actually light illuminates things that are unclear. And I think for those first followers of Jesus, when he said, I am the light of the world, they understand something about the sun fire, torches, they understood something about, actually light was something that is super positive, actually super essential. And I suppose retrospectively we know that the darkness is the absence of light. And we, we realise that actually with, with darkness, actually darkness is probably associated with things like, like fear. I don't know how many of you if, if, as children were frightened of the dark. And a light had to be left on because actually if you woke up and it was totally dark, what was there? Monsters in the cupboard. Kind of, there was this idea that, that, that kind of uncertainty. Actually, if you didn't have any light kind of, and uh, in a strange place, how would you navigate the space where it's dark? Uh, things that are hidden, things that are hidden in the dark. Um, actually, it, does evil happen more in the dark? Does, is there more crime at night? Is there, is there more kind of... Uh, I wonder whether there's even something about, about darkness where people feel they can get away with things in the dark when they're not being seen. And things can feel lost. Uh, I don't know if you've ever kind of been out in, on a country walk and it starts to get dark. And as, as, the, as the light starts to, to fade, you think, do you know what? I think I'm going to be lost. Um, and, and when Jesus comes and talks about the light of the world, actually he comes to our world, actually to our world that we would say is dark. And, and it's not that, that it's dark because it's the absence of electromagnetic radiation. Actually it's dark because of the absence of God, the absence of love, the absence of peace, the absence of hope, the absence of trust. Actually, where, where those things that are very much the qualities and nature of who God is and what God's like, where those are absent, where there's no light, it feels like darkness. And Jesus came into our world, a world that was dark, not because we didn't have the sun, but because people's human hearts had decided to wander their own way, to go on their own track, their own path. And we see some of the consequences, not only being played out on the global stage at the moment where there's things of evil and darkness, but we realise that actually in our, even in our own hearts, our own thoughts, our own lives, actually we realise at times there's, there's darkness. We're not letting the light of God's love and hope and peace truly penetrate who, who we are. And so that's what we're going to think a little bit about this morning. Um, we're going to think a bit about what does this mean, Jesus being the light of the world for us? Um, now, if you've been here, uh, you'll know kind of we're up to chapter eight. Um, uh, so just a little kind of background. I'm not sure 
if you like reading books. I, I'm not a super great book reader. I have to admit, I'm slightly dyslexic and find it quite hard. But each summertime, uh, Bev chooses a book for me, for me to read, or maybe two books for us to take a holiday. Um, and she kind of tries to work out which books will be successful books that I will read right to the end. Because quite often I read the first bit and then put them down. Um, and the last few summer holidays, Richard Osmond, his kind of murder mysteries, they've been a winner. I have read right to the end. And I'm not sure if when you read kind of murder mystery books, kind of when you get to the end, there's that kind of, there's the big reveal, the big reveal of, of who it was that's done the crime. And when you've got, had the big reveal, you can look back and you know that through the whole of the book, there's been little clues, there's been little hints. They think, oh yeah, when he said that, or when she did that, or when that happened, ah, and now I see. And, and you get to the end and you think, that's what was going on. Well, here in John's Gospel, we, kind of, we know what John's Gospel is about, because at the end, he kind of reveals it. These things that I've written for you, Jesus performed uh, many other signs in the presence of disciples, which are not written in this book, John's Gospel. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Actually, that's the big reveal. And so, all through the book of John, there's little clues, there's little hints. Um, again, that you kind of, I think when Ed introduced this, um, the book, he said that kind of there's, there's seven signs, seven little clues, seven little sermons, seven hints, uh, of, of, of one big sermon, one big sign, uh, all pointing towards the fact that Jesus is God. Here, here are the seven signs, kind of uh, water into wine, nobleman's son, paralytic, uh, feeling the 5,000, um, uh, Jesus walking on water. The one we're going to look at, chapter 9, man born blind. Um, and again, how in these seven little signs, it's pointing towards the fact that Jesus is God. God is the one that brings quality. God's not limited by space. God's not limited by time. Actually, God is super abundant. He, he obviously has power over nature and circumstances and death itself. There's uh, seven sermons that are there. We're going to be looking at, at uh, sermon uh, number six uh, this morning, the, the sermon to the Jerusalem Pharisees. But there's seven sermons. Here's seven things to believe. If you believe these things, you'll, that Jesus is the Son of God, you'll find life. And there's these seven little sayings, seven sayings, the I am sayings of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection of life. I am the truth, uh, the uh, way, the truth and life. I am the true vine. Actually, there's seven little sayings. You might notice a little pattern here. Seven, the number of perfection for the Jews. Actually, John is saying, actually, here's something about Jesus you're going to believe, and we're going to look at uh, Jesus, the light of the world. Actually, there's seven times where... Um, uh, John records that Jesus uses the name for God when he describes himself. Uh, in the Old Testament, when God spoke to Moses through the burning bush, Moses asked God, tell me what your name is. And he said, my name is I Am. I am who I am. And so seven times in, the, in John's Gospel, um, Jesus says, I am. Now, the NIV puts a little extra word in, um, but actually in the original Greek, it's not there. The original Greek is egoimi. Uh, there's no he. So in the chapter we're going to look at three times, um, Jesus says this, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am, you will indeed die in your sins. Actually, unless you believe that I'm God, the God who spoke to Moses. Actually, I'm not just Jesus, the light of the world, coming with some great human teaching. Actually, I'm the light of the world because I am, I am God. I am the God who is light. I am the God who created light. Uh, in chapter 8, um, verse... Oh, where have we uh, uh, Verse 28, again, it says this. Uh, Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, 
Then you will know that I am, and that you do, I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. Actually, when, you live, when Jesus is crucified, actually you'll know that you're not just crucifying a human being, you're crucifying I am, you're crucifying God. And just the last one, again, he talks about how he existed before Abraham. He says, how on earth could you exist before Abraham? You're only 30 years old. And he said, should I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And so here's Jesus, and he claims to be God, the God revealed to Moses. He claims to be the one who is uh, the God who, in the beginning, said, let there be light, and there was light. So what do we think about these two chapters? I'm going to read a bit from chapter 8 uh, and a bit from chapter 9. Uh, and these two times where Jesus says he's the light of the world. So uh, this is John chapter 8, uh, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So that's the first time he talks about him being the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In chapter 9, um, again, just before we have the, the account of him healing a blind person, a blind person who can't see light because they're blind, they're living in darkness. Actually, here, physically, Jesus is going to bring light to a blind person. They're going to see light for the very first time in their life. And before that, he says this, um, uh, as we went along, they saw a man born uh, blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither his, this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And then it goes on to say how he makes a bit of mud and puts it on the man's eyes. And, and the man who's never seen light the whole of his life sees light. He gets his sight back. So what do we understand from these, um, these passages? Um, well, I think kind of uh, before uh, John's been building up to this kind of statement, so in his gospel, um, he has said in, in John chapter 1, this passage we sometimes read at Christmas time, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John chapter 1. He goes on to say in verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone has come into the world. And John chapter 3, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Isn't that funny? You think, who on earth would not want to be in the darkness when you could choose to be in the light? But John's saying here, actually, there's a, there's a challenge. There's a challenge for each one of us. Whether you're here, here this morning and you're here as a guest and a visitor and you're just kind of starting to explore the Christian faith and maybe it appears a bit kind of dark and mysterious to you or whether it is you've been on the pathway for a long time following Jesus. Actually, there's times where we prefer secrecy. We prefer not to be known. By, we prefer not to know, for people not to know what we've done. Actually, we prefer to be in darkness rather than in the light. And Jesus says here that uh, he comes and he is the light of the world. 
So there's just three things for us to think about as we think about light. We think about the positive things, electromagnetic radiation, sunshine, uh, life, uh, well-being. Here's uh, three things just uh, for us to think about this morning. So what does it mean for us? I suppose the first thing is Jesus can bring light into the dark places of our lives. Jesus can bring light into the dark places of our lives. Actually, if this morning you feel there's any kind of darkness on the inside of you, anything kind of darkness on, on the way that you think or the way that you react or the way you respond, and you think, actually, it's not full of light, it's not full of hope, it's not full of peace, ah, there's a struggle that's going on the inside. Actually, Jesus says he's come uh, into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Actually, if you believe in Jesus, there's something new that happens inside you. There's something that changes inside you. The sense of darkness, hopelessness, despair. Actually, when Jesus comes, actually, you can shine light into the deepest parts of who you are and can bring about a change. There was an elderly man who... Um, came along to a community church, his name was John, and, and John had lived quite a roughy-tufty kind of life, um, been in the army, done all kinds of contracting, different kinds of security things around the world, uh, had a marriage that failed, had a daughter estranged, um, and, and so again, a quite a chaotic man, and uh, in his late 70s, um, he came to community church, and he started to hear about, about Jesus in a way, maybe for the first time in his life, he really understood, and and he uh, made a choice to become a Christian. And when he became a Christian, things so changed for him. The way that he kind of described it to me was, actually, it's like there's a light going on the inside. I've lived my whole life and it's been, it's been dark. I've been trying to fumble my way through. I've made so many mistakes, kind of done things that are, are, are bad and, and evil. And, and, it's, and it's like I found Jesus and suddenly it's like a light has come on on the inside. And there's a late 70s, early 80-year-old man, actually, that was the only way he could explain and describe what it was like truly to meet Jesus. And so I wonder whether, for you this morning, is there an area of your life where when Jesus says, I'm come as the light of the world, are there some dark areas within your life that even this morning, actually, we're going to take communion in a moment, even this morning you'd like to say to Jesus, Jesus, will you be the light that shines into my heart. When a room is untidy and messy and the lights are off, actually you probably won't notice. As soon as you turn the lights on, actually you realise, ah oh, no, the room's a mess. Kind of, we need to tidy it up. Sometimes when Jesus comes to our lives, actually we realise, oh, our lives are a mess. But he's come to tidy us up. And that's the wonderful thing about, as we say, bread and and wine, actually, is, is the free gift, Jesus, the light of the world, is a light for you. It's, it, you don't have to do anything to deserve it, to earn it. Actually, he just will shine into your life. The bright warmth of sunshine can shine into the darkness of who you are. The second thing, I think, what's it mean for Jesus to be the light of the world, is that um, actually Jesus can bring light to guide us into the right life. Again, it said this, didn't it? Whoever follows me that's Jesus, the light of the world, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How does our life, how does our walk, as we walk through life, are you walking through life in darkness, or are you walking through life in the light? And actually, Jesus wants you to walk through life, not to walk in darkness. 
how should I act? How should I live? What should my value system be? What should I kind of uh, watch my priorities be? How do, uh, how do I get the most out of life? There's all kinds of things that uh, are kind of uncertainties. And, and Jesus says, I want to come and I want to give you life. Life that's to the full. Life that's true. Life that's, that's, that's real. Life that's full of light and vibrancy and hope. And Jesus says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will walk in the light of life. Actually, it's not that sad and bad things might, will never happen to you, but even in those bad and sad times, it's as if the light of Jesus could shine into those situations. Uh, my mum's staying uh, for a few days with us. Um, she's going to be 90 on a few weeks' time. Um, but there was one time when me and mum were in, in a car accident. And uh, in, in that car accident, um, it was quite a bad car accident. And we were trapped inside the wreckage for half an hour or so before the fire brigade could come and cut us out. Um, uh, mum's legs were badly damaged. My face had gone through the windscreen. My face was badly cut. Um, but we were both conscious. And I said to mum, mum, should we, should we pray? And... and it was like, wasn't it, that in, in, that, in that darkness of human darkness, being trapped, unable to move, blood everywhere, actually there was something about the light of Jesus that shone into that darkness, that somehow kind of wrapped us up in, in, in a blanket of his love, that actually it was just a wonderful... He doesn't promise that life will be without its problems, but in those problems, actually there's a light he wants us to live by. And maybe this morning you know that you're facing some challenges, some choices, some difficulties, uh, and actually Jesus wants you to live the right life. He says he's come as the light of the world. Actually, that you don't have to live in darkness and confusion and uncertainty, but actually in knowing Jesus, you can know his direction, his help, his peace. And I suppose just the last thing, um, actually, what's it mean for us? Um, actually, Jesus says these come to be the light of the world, and, and for each one of us that follow him, uh, we, we need to walk in darkness because we have the light of life. Actually, when, the amazing thing is when you find Jesus, you find that there's, uh, he comes to live with inside you, that, that there's something that transforms on the inside. You find there's a, a new kind of energy, a new kind of light. The electromagnetic radiation of, of God's Holy Spirit is inside you. And actually the deal is, when Jesus says, I've come to be the light in the darkness, actually now when we encounter Jesus, the light of the world, even though it's 2,000 years later, actually we are now called to be the light to this world. Actually we are now called to be those who, through the light of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus that he brings to us, actually we should shine in a dark world. Actually, Jesus shines through us. He, through us, he wants to bring his light. The light that he always intended when he spoke those words 2,000 years ago, I've come that people may not live in darkness, but might find the light of life. Actually, we are now the people who can shine that light. We can shine that light through our, our trust and our faith. We can shine that light through our words, through our, our actions. Actually, we're called to bring light into the darkness. And actually, when the church is truly following Jesus wholeheartedly, actually, it is a place of light. Maybe you're a guest or a visitor, or you come along to some of the activities that run in, the, in this building. And, and actually, when you come along, you think, actually, there's something about these people. There's something about them that's a little bit light. And, and it's, our hope is it's the light of Jesus, the love of Jesus that's in our hearts. So as I finish and as we take a chance to take communion, Jesus says to us this morning, I am the light of the world. You don't need to live in darkness. 
Actually, you don't need to live with those dark habits and those dark fears that somehow maybe kind of hold you. Actually, even this morning, Jesus is saying, I'm the light that can shine in your darkness. Actually, Jesus is saying, if you're confused, uncertain, you want to know the way in life, you want a torch to shine in the darkness, Jesus is the light to your path. He, he will show you the way if you obey him, if you follow him. Try to do what he's saying. Receive his free gift. And he wants us to be those that shine the light that's desperately needed in our dark world. I wonder if I'd just say a prayer, then I'll uh, introduce the communion. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that when you came into this world, you said, I am the light. Thank you that when John saw you and he wrote about you, he realized that the light of life had truly entered our world. And thank you, it's not just for them, but it's about Jesus that we need to know now. And I just want to pray for each person here this morning, whatever need they have, that somehow now, Jesus, your light would shine into their hearts. Your light would shine into their imaginations, their thought processes. Your light would shine into their emotions, to their fears and their despair. Somehow, Jesus, it would be you, you that come as light for our world, to speak, to help, to free. I pray we turn our face towards you, even now, Jesus, like turning our face towards the sun when we've been living in winter for so long, and to find that just the warmth of your presence and your hope and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take um, communion, and I suppose communion is just an appropriate way for us to receive. Sometimes when we hear someone preaching, we can go away and forget about it, but, but communion is a space where we can say, Jesus, we want to remember you and what you've done, and, and somehow we want to receive it. We want to own it for ourselves. And even as we take a piece of bread and it goes in our mouths and down into our stomachs and take a, a, a sip of, of juice and it goes inside of us, actually even to say, Jesus, I want you to bring something inside of me. The, the, the inside of me where, is where it matters. Um, so we're going to take uh, communion. And Jesus, when he was with his followers, he uh, took bread. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Take this and eat, each one of you, to remember me. After supper, he took a cup and uh, he said, this is the cup of a new covenant. It's to remind you of um, blood that was shed a life that was given freely, self-sacrificed, so that we might know life, light, forgiveness, hope. And Jesus says, kind of come and, and take this. Remember Jesus, receive from Jesus. Uh, remember that your broken lives can be made whole. Uh, the lives and the choices you've made that have been wrong can be forgiven. So we're going to take that. Maybe let's just take a moment. And if you know there's a particular area in your life where you need God's forgiveness, just admit, confess. Confess your wrongdoings. And he's faithful and just, he will forgive you. Think there's a moment where I need to just tell God something about the darkness that is in there and ask him to shine his light on it. Just take a moment to confess. And, and then we'll take uh, the chance to worship together. But take, take a little moment to... Ask the light of Jesus to shine into your heart. Admit and confess a thought, an attitude, a word, 
an action that you know would have saddened him. Thank you, God, that when we confess you are faithful and just, you will forgive us. You'll clean us up on the inside, and I pray you do that now. In Jesus' name, amen.